Hi folks, this is Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tougher, even if they don't. Today is July the 29th, 2020, and this is episode 2700 of the Survival Podcast. And it's interview day, and we have a great interview lined up for you today. Uh, expert council member and regular contributor to the Survival Podcast, Gary Collins, is going to be on with us today. We're going to be talking about his new venture called The Simple Life, his new podcast, and we're going to kind of be putting The Simple Life up against the current chaos and how simplifying your life is maybe one of the best things that you can do for yourself. And I'll have Gary on in just a moment. We'll have a in-depth conversation about that. Before we do, I want to go ahead and take care of our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day, number one today, is Bulk Ammo. Um, ammo is the first thing to disappear when any concerns about the gun grabbers come up. Before the guns go, even before the magazines go, the ammo is what goes into shortage, and there's a reason. If I have ten magazines and I empty them, I can reload them and use them again. If I have a gun, I have a gun. When I fire it, it doesn't disintegrate and go into nowhere. And yeah, you can reload ammunition, but it takes a lot of time to do, and it's a good idea to store ammo in bulk because a gun without ammo is an expensive club. Best place to get your ammo I know of at the best price with lightning-fast shipping and great customer service is a partner we've had now for nine years. You can find it at BulkAmmo.com. And remember, MSB members, they give you a discount. Next up today, JM Bullion. Precious metal, guys, is something I've been recommending forever. I recommend that you keep about 5% of your net wealth in silver and gold. And I mean, when I say that, I'm not talking about the stuff you trade inside an RRA or something in an ETF. I'm talking about physical metal. That one way or another, you can put your fingers onto it and move it around and give it to somebody else and hand it to your heirs or things like that. Uh, gold and silver has a, a multi-thousand-year history of being used as money for commerce. It is a truly anonymous form of wealth. It's some of those things we say, you know, down here in Texas we have the saying. It's, it's between me, you, and the fence post. So if I happen to uh, transfer or receive some silver or gold, I don't tell anybody and I don't ever plan to. Just some thoughts on that. Check them out today, jambullion.com. Place to get your silver and gold because they've been with us eight years now. I can talk to the president if there's ever a problem on your behalf, and he'll be happy to fix it. Free shipping on all orders, and MSB members get a discount. Uh, and they have better prices than Monix and Atmex. Just don't know why you'd buy your silver and gold anywhere but jambullion if you listen to the show. With that, let's get into things today. I want to start out with a quote. I'm, I'm coming back to yesterday on this one. This quote doesn't really have a ton to do with today's show. Um, but what I've seen since those doctors came out, and, and yes, I took a risk in doing the show that I did yesterday and, and, and publishing what I did yesterday, and so far there's not been any direct consequences. It doesn't mean that they won't come, but I believe there's times when, when men have to stand or kneel, and in those times I'm going to freaking stand. Um, but what's happened is one of those doctors, Dr. Emanuel, and she is the uh, African-born uh, black female doctor who was so passionate and so effective in the video that was taken down by the technocrats, has now been character assassinated because supposedly she believes in demons or something like that. You know what? I don't care. I don't care. She's a pastor of a church. You know what? I, I know I'm going to upset some religious people right now, but I'm making a valid point. To an atheist... Any person of faith is crazy because you believe in something that the other person believes does not exist. The most you know, basic version of Christianity to any atheist sounds flaming insane. 
I'm not saying it is. I'm saying if you don't believe any of that, and somebody else believes all of the things that are wrapped up in Christianity, which includes demons, right? Then you sound insane if we judge it as it stands. And we can certainly make you out to be crazy to anybody who doesn't believe what you believe. I don't care if this woman eats kittens. She doesn't, by the way. I don't care if she does. You attack the 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 person rather than the argument only when you can't respond to the argument. So my quote of the day is by a president of the United former president of the United States, and I don't generally like any president or any politician. Um, but this man said some really good things from time to time. His name was Ronald Reagan. And on this subject, he said one time, Too often character assassination has replaced debate in principle here in Washington. Destroy someone's reputation and you don't have to talk about what he stands for. This is not a new tactic. Attack the person. So you have all these doctors, board-certified doctors, treating patients every day. Clearly they're intelligent enough to be able to do that. All of them are in good standing with the medical board, etc., You key on on the one who is actually the most damaging to you and you attack her as a person and you do not debate the merits of the argument. You simply say it's wrong. Because if you assassinate a person's character, you do not have to debate their points. So I'll say this one more time. Anybody out there, reach out to any of these doctors, any of these anybody, I'm begging for this. I will do a live-streamed debate with anybody with any level of credentials on the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine and the fact that the trials that are being used to say it doesn't work are indeed intentionally flawed and in some cases criminal. That's the subject of debate. I don't care who it is. PhD, DSC, MD, put as many initials after their name as you want. Go ahead. Bring it. And here's what I would say. Anybody you talk to who claims to know that won't debate me, ask them why. And if they try some bullshit like, well, it'll give him credibility. No, it won't. Not if you're right, it won't. No, it will destroy my credibility. You can come out and show me publicly to be wrong in the world. I'm unarmed as far as most of these intellectuals are concerned. Never had a day of college in my life, but I know this subject. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's debate the facts versus assassinating character. And I'm going to tell you exactly how many people I expect to respond to this challenge. Absolutely zero. And if you're a doctor in this audience and you like what I do except for this one thing and you're convinced I'm wrong, step up or shut up. That's my statement to every medical professional about hydroxychloroquine right now when you say it doesn't work. Step up and debate the facts and the data in the public space, in the public space, so that it can be torn apart and we can do real science instead of being cowards and attacking people. If you attack a person instead of their position, when what's at stake is this important, you are a flaming coward. You're all cowards. All of you are cowards. Every one of you who does this but will not debate the data, you are cowards. I put out a study today. I put out a study today, folks. Put out a study today that says, and I put it out, shared it with people, says hydroxychloroquine when used on, on mild to moderate did not help at all, did not change the medical outcome at all, and caused some serious side effects. You want to know what the problem was with it, though? And the guy sharing it, like, look at this, here's another study, it shows you're wrong. Didn't read it. Either that or he's stupid, or he doesn't care if people get killed on purpose. What's the protocol? Protocol is four people infected with COVID. 
you give them a first-day loading dose of 400 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine. Then you give them 200 milligrams a day for four more days and then stop. While you're doing this, you give zithromycin at the standard dosage for secondary infections, and you give them zinc every day. What did they do in the study? What did they do in the study? They gave the patients 400 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine twice a day. Twice a day, 800 milligrams, standard dose 200. They gave them four times the recommended therapeutic dose. They overdosed them by 4x. And you know how much zinc they gave them? The square root of fuck all. That's how much they gave them. Now, I want you, if you are an MD and you're thinking this man is dangerous, share this with your MD friend. Cut this little piece out. Send it to him. I want you, Mr. MD. I want you, Mr. PhD. I want any of you people that say this stuff doesn't work. I want you to come on the air with me live with a third-party moderator we can both agree on, and I want you to debate me about those facts. I want you to defend that position. I want you to put yourself in a position where people start looking at you and go, maybe we should take this man's license. Because here's why I'm willing to make this challenge. I'm confident that any of these people, if they actually prepare themselves for the debate, will convince themselves that I'm right before we have it. They won't even want to do the debate. But God help you if you do. Please, please, anybody out there, find me a doctor that can explain this to me. I, if you don't want to do a debate, I'll bring you on the air. I'll let you pre-record it and I'll play it here for you. Explain to me how it's ethical to overdose the patient, 4x the recommended dose. Explain to me how it's, it, it's, it, it is in any way good science to overdose a patient to toxic levels of a drug and then claim that proves the drug is toxic. Tell me how it's not criminal homicide of patients in a trial. Tell me how it's not. Tell me why. Tell me why, until 2019, all of this concern about hydroxychloroquine that had been around for 67 years didn't exist, and now it exists today. And none of you will. I've been saying this since March. I've been begging somebody to do it since March. I have no degrees. I have no background in research. I have nothing. And I'll debate you, and you cowards won't do it. You're cowards. I know I'm ranting. But you're cowards. How cowardly are all these people? I want you, please, please, you guys that listen to me for years, go to your doctor friends that say this doesn't work. Give them this piece. I dare you. I dare you. Bring your vaulted degree holding ass in front of me and let's hash this out. I won't even be like this with you. I'm doing this to try to provoke the response. But no, let's just go assassinate somebody's character for their religious beliefs and pretend we're woke. Let's just deny the safety of a drug that's been on the, the list of one of the safest drugs in existence for 60 years because we hate the orange man. Freaking cowards. Too, too often character assassinations replace debate and principle, destroy someone's reputation, and you don't have to talk about what they stand for. Destroy somebody's reputation, you don't have to talk about the facts. Cowards. Ah. Okay. Not what I expected to actually do with that quote today. I was going to be much short. I apologize for the going full spiritual with the rant, but I, I, I beg you guys, get me somebody. Get me one person who will defend this. We can do it in debate. You can come on the air and we can do it in a friendly interview. But I'm going to ask the hard questions that I'm asking right there, and I have a lot more of them. And when no one shows up, when no one shows up, quarter million people listening to me, surely some of you have friends that will tell you how wrong I am. When none of them will do it, When none of them will do it, what does that say? Let's go on to a better subject. Instead of getting all riled up, what if we built 
a really great life for ourselves, a simple life. I've got somebody who knows all about that. He's building his entire brand and everything that he does on top of it. Gary Collins of thesimplelifenow.com. Again, regular contributor and member of the Expert Council. Gary, hey man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast. Hey Jack, uh, first time, long time, right? (laughs) No. I think I've been on here a few times at this stage of my life. I think even if we don't count your expert panel stuff, I think it's still somewhere in close to double digits as a guest. Yeah, yeah, and you still have me on, so yeah. bad judge of character, obviously. So. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man, let's uh, let's start off with, even though you have been on a bunch of times, there's probably some people that don't know what a Gary or a Collins are, and uh, because I just started maybe listening this week because of some of my ranting on, uh, on COVID or something, uh, Tell people kind of a little bit about your background and, and where you're coming from with the stuff we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, yeah. I, I like my podcast. People are always jumping in new, and you never know. But uh, basically, you know, grew up like we uh, both of us, small town, little dumb redneck, dirt poor, made something of himself, went to college, went in the military, spent half his life in federal government and law enforcement, and left uh, on fire to start a new life. And uh, built a house off the grid, and done a done a whole bunch of other things. I write books. I uh, have a podcast now, and I just live the life, which I call the simple life. Now it all evolved. Remember way back when, Jack, when you found me because I ripped on. Uh, I'd had enough of uh, Sally Fallon. Yeah, and, uh, you had too, and yeah. that's where it started. <laughs> and I still had enough of her, um, but. <laughs> You know, it's it started there, and then from there, I had a health company and did Primal and Paleo Health, still do, but now it's evolved into this simple life business model of craziness, and it's nuts right now. It's uh, people are kind of catching on, yeah. So it's fun. Yeah, I think I mean, that people there's... are sending me gifts in the mail. That's crazy <laughs> when that starts to happen, and sometimes you're like, "Look, yeah. guys, um, you know, check first. <laughs> I know people mean well sometimes, but when you start kind of getting traction in the podcast world, stuff starts showing up, and you're like, I. Sometimes you're like, that's really cool, and sometimes you're like, uh, I don't really like. You're the simple guy, so clutter is not good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one guy he emailed me, and he he knew the inventor of Post-it notes and worked for him, and he heard me talking about I use Post-it notes to organize stuff not a ton i'm not you yeah. know, but i do it every day to keep things right in front of me and i have a, a race wide erase board and i like it physically in front of me instead of all digital yeah. i tend to forget about it digitally and that's uh, so he sent me a he's sending me a uh post-it note dispenser oh, that's, like, cool. Oh, that's pretty cool that's cool yeah it's all dang that yeah it's yeah. a good one yeah and books people send me books and to read and it's good i i don't mind i i think my following and i'm sure you know yours because they blend together i got some of the best followers anyone could ask for our followers you know i shouldn't call them that i'm no i'm no disciple i'm no i'm no divine guru. entity or yeah yeah i'm no guru I don't say I'm not your guru and then tell you I'm your guru in the next sentence. Um, Yeah, so it's good. Yeah, it's good, man. So let's talk about the simple life as a concept. And and I I think there is is a a good subject for today because I found that in this current chaos that we're in because of lockdowns and and what have you, there's – well, there's – 
two kinds of people in a lot of different categories. In the category I'm talking mm -hmm. of, there's people that are freaked out about it, and there's people that barely give two shits. And it seems like the more a person has simplified and made their life what they want it to be in the first place, the less they're concerned about this. It, that, that's very true because as, uh, as people have, who have been listening to me on your show and, and been following everything I've been doing over the years, you know, I started this journey living off the grid, oh gosh, over 10 years ago as far as research and figuring out what I wanted to do and And I, you know, I bought the land seven, eight years ago. To include, I've been living in my RV. I still live in my RV part of the year. And I developed all this because I, at the end of my government career as a federal agent, I could kind of see this stuff coming. You know, I just saw the, the ineptitude of our leadership and our government. And I was in some, you know, listened to some pretty high ranking conversations between politicians. And I realized we were ruled by idiots and, and jackasses and very corrupt people. And I went, I better figure this out or I'm in trouble. And that's kind of how I looked at it. And all of it started from there of realizing that, you know, getting back to being more self-reliant, right? And, and figuring things out for yourself instead of, uh, the, the kind of, uh, nanny state. And I went, man, and that's where it all came from. So I started simplifying my life, even though that's the way I grew up. I'd lost my way. Just like, you know, I just gotten off track. And, and just from there, started a health company because I was very passionate about health, and I worked at the FDA at the end. And I went, hey, if you know how, how this health stuff works, eh, you need to change it. We're being sold a, a bill of goods, and it's not that complicated. Once you get the right information and you understand that we're humans, we're animals, get back to that. And we're meant, our bodies haven't changed our digestion, you know, our, our natural instincts and the way we're wired for, you know, at least 300,000 years that it all kinds, kind of comes together. And that's where it started. And from there, you know, buying the property and moving off grid, I realized got a little confusing. Um, <laughs> you know, as it started, I did an interview on, on health and I was just had bought the land and built the back road into it. Because it's all raw land. And uh, I, you hit me up then, hey, what are you up to? I went, I bought 20 acres. I'm going to live off the grid. You know, wait, wait, whoa, hold on. Time out. Where did this come from? And it wasn't anything, you know, I was planning to document, talk about. It was just my life. And that's where going off the grid, the book came from, which has been a bestseller on Amazon for three years now. And I'm getting ready to actually make it even better. So from there, it just started that I realized – Yeah, I'm in health and I, uh, you know, I teach health, but I'm more teaching and living life simplification. So what did it boil down to? And what I've, I tell people, there's, there's a three-legged stool to it, to the simple life. Very simple, right? Whole point. The first leg is optimal health. So that's taking back your health, wellness, and taking responsibility and doing it and, and just living as healthy as you possibly can. No one's perfect. We all have our health issues. The second is financial freedom by being debt-free, not allowing the financial systems in our government to basically pick our pocket for the rest of our lives. The third one is finding your life purpose, figuring out what your calling is in life. What do you want to do with your life? How do you want to spend your time on this rock floating around in this infinite, infinite crazy kind of uh, – Maybe reality, maybe not reality. So that's where it came from. 
Very cool. Let's kind of dig into the uh, the three-legged stool there, and, and let's start off with the first one, Optimum Health, because you know they mm-hmm. say they often say things like, "Well, at least you still have your health." And I I look around and I wonder how valid that statement is anymore. Like, I think if you want to weep for your country, weep for the the modern world, go to a Walmart even before all this COVID crap, right? Go to a Walmart on the first yeah. or the fifteenth. When all the checks go out, and I don't just mean people that are on welfare and food stamps. I mean, that's a shitload of people in this country get paid by the government. A shitload of people in this country that work in the private sector get paid on kind of, instead of every week or every other week, they get paid, you know, on the 1st and 15th. That's that's when you're big, everybody gets their money and goes out and buys stuff kind yeah. of time. is. That's why I, I'm sure when you have to go to the store, those are the days you don't go. But you go to a Walmart. Oh, yeah on one of those days, any day, but really on like when there's a lot of people there and just walk down the line of people waiting to check out and look at people. And I'm not just talking about obesity. I'm talking about the inherent illness that exists in people in this country where you can look at a person and see this person's ill, this person's sick. And they may not have a a diagnosed condition, but you know full well, like, I know you don't garden a lot, but you know enough about gardening, like, if there's two plants in the garden and one is really doing well and the other one isn't, even long before it, like, dies, you can go, that plant is not healthy. And you see that Mm -hmm. in people, and you see it in such numbers. Or, like, when I was a kid in school, I know we've talked about this, we're about the same age. Like, you remember in school there was a fat kid, right? Uh fat one. kid one right like yeah. everybody knew who it was you, you know who the fat kid is oh it's, it's jason right i mean you people knew who the fat kid was you go by a you know grade school's not so bad it still takes a while but like junior high and up it's not a fat kid it's you see the skinny kid who's just the healthy kid i mean what has happened and and how do people reclaim their health yeah and that's where this all started i i you know, I was an athlete and thought of myself healthy, and as I was getting older and getting closer and closer to 40, I was feeling terrible. I mean, I just kept feeling worse, worse, and worse. I remember the, the end was when I took, like, I, I remember, like, eight allergy pills in a day. My allergies were so bad. And, it, you know, at the time, I thought it was just genetic. I don't have allergies really anymore, and it, what it was is my immune system was wrecked, and it just was at the end of its rope, and what I found with working with people is that between 35 to 40 is when the wheels kind of fall off. That's when everything just really people start to suffer and they're going, what is wrong? You know, I, um, I keep feeling worse and worse and they attribute it to age instead of it's more of their, their immune system and their bodies just being broke, broken down prematurely by our poor diet, lack of exercise. And so with that, that's where the, you know, the first leg of the stool comes from. And I tell people, you know, I'm known as being very direct, and I tell people we are huge in this country. We're not big. We are massive, and I have witnessed this during COVID-19, watching as people came back out. Uh, people weren't small before. I actually see a visual difference in size over COVID-19 of people when I go out to go do my shopping uh, I could visually see people getting bigger. And we're not just the most obese country in the world. We're also the most unhealthiest. And we spend by far the most money. And people think, well, well, we're not that bad. I go, no, no, no. Like, we're way worse than any other developed country by far. 
I mean, it's not even close. China's number two. <laughs> and, and three quarters of China is living out in the sticks, you know, living in rice paddies. And I don't mean that to be a jerk. It's just literally true. It's just true. Yeah. There, it's still, yeah. Yeah. for all the urbanization in China, there's still the majority of the population is living in, in, in rural communities, in agricultural communities, the way the United States was in the 1950s. We, we were still largely an agricultural yeah. country in the 40s, 50s, 60s even. It's not a, well, yeah, that's not a slight. That's, yeah. that's, I mean, I kind of wish we still were in some ways. Oh, yeah. And there, there's a balance, but they live in, in abject poverty. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking a caste system and there's, it's very complicated. And when you look at China that we're beating China in all of those categories, well, we're doing something very, very, very wrong. And I always say there's no money in, in healthy people. The system is rigged and where the three-legged stool came from and why health is so important. What I teach is taking back the freedoms we have willingly given away to government and big business because we do truly live in an oligarchy. I mean big business, big finance, and the government are, are all one today. That You can't even argue that anymore. It's right in our faces, but most people just ignore it and bury their head in the sand. So I tell people with the three-legged stool, starting with health, you have to start there because everything evolves from from your health forward to make change in life. And people like to avoid it. It's the one of all the things that I, I teach. I always say the one thing where people are going to lie to me right out of the gate and I know they're going to lie. It's a 100% factor. <laughs> it's health. They will lie to me on all aspect, on almost all aspects. Do you know why? Because they lie, lie to themselves. Yeah. Because they, well, you, they, they don't even know they're lying to you because they've lied to themselves for so long that they believe what they're saying, right? So it's a lie, but it's not a lie of intent. It's a lie of... I guess habit or something. You see what I mean? Like, because when, when somebody yeah. says, you say, like, do you exercise, you know, every week? And they're like, yeah, like three times a week. They actually kind of think they do. They're like, well, I didn't this week or the week before, but I, you know, I usually do. And I, I, maybe I don't exercise, exercise, but I get out in the garden or whatever. And that's not actually a bad thing, but what ends up happening is no, you don't, but you believe it. And that's actually, I think, a more dangerous thing because if you know you're lying, at least you know you're lying. If you're, if you believe your own bullshit, then it's really hard to get that person to wake up and take corrective action. It's like the drug addict that says, well, I, I use drugs, but I don't have a problem. Well, what kind of drugs yeah, do you use? Exactly. Heroin. Okay, I don't care how much heroin you're using. If you're using yeah, heroin, you have a, a good you, level of heroin. not a good yeah. amount of heroin. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, what's his yeah. name? The, the, the famous fake detective. Uh, Sherlock Holmes had problems with heroin. I think you will, too. Like, you know. <laughs> well, it's even where our, our, our the, the structure of Western medicine came from, and especially, obviously, in the U.S. I can't remember the guy's name now. Uh, the original, uh, he created... The, the form, the structure we use for medical school and teaching today, he was a massive cocaine addict. No. And that's, yeah, that's where all of, uh, as far as residency and the long hours and the training. And that's why in the United States that you have a huge chance of getting killed or injured by a medical ma malpractice because most doctors and, and people in the medical field are exhausted because that's the system was set up by a cokehead. Well, of course, <laughs> you know, and that's where we're at. And that's a huge problem in understanding the importance of sleep that, you know, sleep is how we reset our body. It's how we reset our brain every night. It's like a reboot of your computer every single night. 
And once you start screwing with it, well, guess what happens? The software gets screwed up. Then you start getting, you know, then you start having issues. And it's stuff that's so simple, but we've lost track of it. And I tell people, I'm no, I'm no genius. I'm just some dumb redneck from the middle of nowhere who got out. That's it. I'm no one special. That if I can figure this out, everyone should be able to figure this out. But it's taking that step back and going, okay, I need to control this shit. This is my responsibility. My health is on me. It's not on the medical system. It's not on doctors. It's not on the government. It's on me. It starts right here, right now. And the great thing about changing your health is people think it, thinks, think it costs a lot of money. It doesn't cost you hardly anything. In long term, it's going to save you hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in downtime, over-the-counter, you know, uh, uh, drugs, prescription drugs, you know, of, of uh, you know, bad communication and running a business or going to work. It just has a whole host of effects, not to, you know, like even your, your relationships. I always say if you feel like crap, well, you're going to be a crappy person more than likely. You know, you're cranky, you're edgy, and I go – that's why it always starts with health because without it, it just makes everything else so much harder yeah, to accomplish. I agree with that. I, I just wanted to ask you, how much have mm -hmm. you looked into, and this is something very new for me, and I'm going to probably give you some shit you are going to go like, fuck, I'm not, I'm not commenting on that until I do more research. But I've been doing research by a, 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 in a book by a, a doctor, and his name escapes me right now. I'm trying to conjure it back up but the book is called the optimal dose this is a doctor that's mm -hmm. been practicing in laredo texas for uh, a very long time now and okay. he is big on d3 and when okay. he started using d3 on himself and his patients he started out first using the rda of 600 or 800 units per day and found no perceived change over months in his patients. So he upped it to, like, what they consider a heavy dose, 5,000 units. Mm -hmm. And six okay. months down the road, these patients have no change in their vitamin D in their blood, taking 5,000 units a day every day for six months, and they're deficient, right? They're not, and, and even according to what I think are the understandards of the government, they're considered deficient D. So he ends up going to this, symposium with this doctor who's done like tremendous like PhD level research on vitamin D and says like all this stuff about vitamin D toxicity is bullshit. Um, it that, is oh. that the hundred, the hundred nanoliters number for the threshold for toxicity in the blood is totally arbitrary that when they've actually figured out where does hypercalcemia start, it starts at like 300 and they just divided it by three to be safe because it was the twenties. They didn't know what the hell they were doing and they didn't know it was a hormone. So that like an optimal level is probably more like 120, 140 that would be deemed toxic. And you could take a shitload of D and you won't get there. So he started taking and having some of his patients take under close supervision, um, 30,000 international units of D a day, a day. Okay. And after years, not a single one of the patients taking that much D has tested for high elevated calcium levels in the blood, nor have they gotten up to anywhere close to like 300 units in the blood or the nanoliters. In fact, the only one that even got like elevated to where he was concerned was kind of a dumb dumb and was taking twice the dose. So that, yeah. and then the results of this have been like his patients just don't get the flu. 
His patients have spontaneously, without making any dietary changes, started losing weight, some of them in you know over 100 pounds. And what he describes is winter syndrome. So that in the past, you know, if we lived, especially light-skinned people like you and I that would be from the northern climate, we had these really long days in the summer and really short days in the winter, and the sun made our D for us. And so the, the, the D is a hormone, is a signaling hormone, and what that says is when your D is low, it's winter. Well, what are you supposed to do in winter? Yep. Cons you know, conserve and, and, and eat anything yep. you can get your hands on. So your body's being signaled to make these decisions to eat as much as possible. Your intestines are absorbing as much fat as they can. They're getting every scrap, and they're holding on to it all. And if you live 30, 40 years of your life always in this thing, then you're going to have all these problems, and, and you'll even struggle if you try to do the right thing. And what he pointed out was, and I, you know, I'm always a skeptic, but most of us will never get enough D from the sun because we wear clothes, and we weren't born you know, as a species wearing clothes. We're inside all the time, and we're protecting ourselves from too much sun because too much sun can be bad. That can be harmful. And if you take people that are not light-skinned, especially, and you put them into the northern or southern hemisphere, we get the same amount. Like People don't realize like Panama and New York get the exact same amount of sun every year. Just New York gets theirs more in the summer, and Panama gets it year-round. So if you're from Panama as a native, you know, in, as a species there, you have darker skin. You're designed to get that vitamin D spread out. In a northern climate native, you are designed to make extra and store it in your fat and then use it in the winter. And so you take all of that and compound it, and he's basically saying most people will never make enough vitamin D and need to be supplementing D at much higher levels. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or do you want to say, I want to look into yeah. that before I speak to 30,000 units? Because no. I know when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, Like you're going to die. And like, no. And I, I don't know if you're aware. You, you're in the supplement business. This is like another thing that got me out of the book. You'd think like if you had 5,000 IUs of D and 5,000 IUs of A, that that would be the same milligrams. They're not. They have no correlation whatsoever. Oh, no. No. There's none. So yeah, it's yeah. like 750 micrometer, microliters or something is the actual amount that's in 30,000 units. Like, so what are your thoughts on all that? Well, and that's that research has been around quite a while, believe it or not. They've done it. They did it on vitamin D3 and vitamin C as well. They've done it on vitamin C and because it used to be that you did that large dose, especially when natural medicine started getting into cancer and treating cancer patients naturally, well, some of these kind of cutting-edge doctors would jack them up on a ton of vitamin C, and it was intravenous. And th what they found is that the – because modern medicine would always say that you can get toxicity levels of vitamin C. It is almost impossible to do. You have to take such large doses of vitamin D3 and vitamin C that it's almost impossible for you to do. And that's where a lot of this research came from because they were using vitamin D3 as well. Mm. And what they found is that the you can take – and not, not only that, but everyone's different. So how you enzymatically break these vitamins down and how they're absorbed in your body is – everyone's different. So you don't know what the level is on any given person. You have no idea. And vitamin D3 is very interesting because the, a lot of the research for COVID-19 is saying that 70% of people are deficient in vitamin D3. Well, I went, great. There's a manipulation of statistics because 70% uh, of Americans 
are deficient in vitamin D3. Amazing. See, I agree with the, that. That was my first thought. Here's my here's my issue though with it not being a factor in the severity. When you look at it though, it's more like 80 to 85% of people with severe to to mortal cases are deficient. And if you look at the mildly symptomatic people or the asymptomatic people, it's more like 80 to 90% are not deficient. So the correlation, whether it plays out or not, is there. It, but I agree with you. When you just say, well, 70% of people with it are deficient in D, well, 70% of people are deficient in D. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, it all goes together again. Um, yeah. The reason COVID-19 has had such a large impact, and even the numbers, they're all skewed. got to remember, I worked in the CDC and FDA. I was in all of it. Yeah. I watched how all this went down. And the numbers are greatly manipulated, and I think it's being greatly manipulated to a point right now, but I'm not saying that it isn't a active virus that causes harm. It does. Yeah. But the problem is the reason it's had such an impact in the U.S. is our poor health. No one wants to go after the elephant in the room. It's not that the virus is more potent in the U.S. or that we have, we're at more risk. We're at, well, we are. We're at more risk because we're horribly unhealthy. And the statistics bear that out. When you start extrapolating who's dying from it, well, it's the people with compromised immune systems and obese. Mm-hmm. And age does play a factor in that, but the age is not a direct correlation. It just means that the elderly, well, by nature, have a compromised immune system. And today, a lot of them tend to be obese just like the rest of society. I agree with and that. And that's what I mean. When you break down the numbers, there's two primary factors. And one, if you really break it down, obesity. Because obesity will cause you to have a dysfunctioning immune system. And if you're elderly, obese, well, guess what? You're not going to be able to fight off the flu, let alone, let alone anything else. That's why the elderly are disproportionately killed by the flu worldwide every single year. Well, the largest the, the largest cause of death in the elderly, unless it's an acute thing like they fell down the stairs or something, um, or they got cancer, like when it comes to the otherwise, you know, just kind of hanging out and reaching the end of your life, is respiratory, infection, pneumonia, other. Yeah. So a shitload of these elderly that are dying right now of COVID, if they weren't dying of COVID... They would just say other, and they would have about the same life expectancy. But my my assertion there with the vitamin D thing is, I guarantee you, if 70% of Americans in general population are deficient in vitamin D, whatever the number is for people over 80, it's higher. Yeah. Right, well, it's, and it's a lot higher. Too, vitamin D3, uh, see, I've never tested deficient for it. I'm an outdoors guy. Yeah. I've been outdoors. I'm outside. I'm a fair-skinned guy. But also our, uh, you know, our skin is a filter, so the different tone of your skin filters vitamin D3. Vitamin D3 is synthesized through the sun, through our skin exposure. That's how it works. But a problem, too, is I always tell people they think they can supplement themselves to health. And I go, supplements are supplements. They supplement deficiencies. They don't fix deficiencies based upon poor health. And, and so it, it gets tricky because the biochemistry involved, right? But our biggest problem is obviously sun exposure. We're not getting outside enough. We're around artificial light all the time. But another problem is even when we go outside, we don't have the same ability as a healthy person to synthesize that vitamin D3 in the proper ratios. There's a whole host of things going on. Because if you're deficient in vitamin D3, 
you're also probably deficient in a multitude of other micronutrients. And they all go together, right? You know, we know vitamin D3 and calcium and magnesium, they all go together. You have to have them in certain amounts together for them to be able to synthesize into the body and be utilized by the cell. That's just basic science. Yeah, and, and but I mean, one of the things people, I've also always, come across yeah. lately is that, you know, if, you, if you're deficient in mag magnesium, you're going to have a hard time uptaking vitamin D. And you're, you're going to become more deficient yep. in, in magnesium as you make the vitamin D or take up the vitamin D that you need to have. Like, all of this stuff, you know, kind of piles together. And it just continues to pile up, and that's the problem with um, with us in America. We're not just vitamin D3 deficient. We're deficient in a whole host of other micronutrients, vitamins, minerals. And I'm a perfect example. You know, when I was really unhealthy and struggling with my health and I rebooted everything, you know, well over a decade ago, one, the, one of the first things I noticed, well, two, was my allergies went away. My seasonal allergies completely went away. Um, and then also... My horrible asthma that was along was considered one of those upper respiratory issues that went away. But also when I would get exposed to the sun, I used to burn like that. Typical white boy, right? Yeah. I can stay out in the sun three times as long as I used to and not burn. It totally, that's, I mean, it changes everything. Everything changes. I don't burn nearly as quickly as I used to. And that would be because Obviously, my body is healthier, and it is. There's two places where you will notice poor health: eyes and skin. That's where you always can target. And another one is waist size. And me and you've had long discussions about that because I always tell people, if you want to determine your health, measure your waist. And they go, "Well, what's that have to do with it? You know, sure. I weigh 150 pounds. I'm 5'10. Yeah, but you've got a 36-inch waist. That will determine your health. That's just skinny fat." is what we call it. And that, and that's, I mean, yeah, it's complicated, but it's not once you start breaking it down. What is a human intended to eat? And people go, well, pfft, the grocery store, there's so many items. I go, no, 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 no. Ignore grocery stores. I'm going to dump you in the woods. What would you eat? What would you have access to? And they go, huh, I never thought of it that way. And I go, we're an animal. Our digestive tract and our ability to be healthy through what we consume came from nature. It still comes from nature. You have to put yourself back into the human element of you are an animal and you are made from the literal dirt of this planet. That is where you come from. All the minerals, all the, the elements, everything you are made of comes from the dirt. I can't yeah. make it any simpler than that. And when I put that together, people just kind of go, oh, shit. I never thought of it that way. And I go, I'm telling you, it is that basic. Would you have access to Doritos and a 24-pack of Coca-Cola? No. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't even have access to fruit. Fruit is rare in nature. Oh, you'd, you'd, have have to eat, you'd have to eat natural fats because it's the only way you would ever get enough calories. You would have no choice. You'd have to find some source of fat and protein. Yep. And there's, the, and I've most, always said this to the, ve the vegans and the, the vegetarians. I mean, I can help you put together a diet that'll work if you really want to do it. But show me an indigenous culture that has existed in the history of human beings that was vegan 
or even vegetarian. And there's none. There has never been an indigenous culture who's lived from the earth who's lived that way. They've always used animal and or animal product. Always. And that's yeah, well, there's, that there, kind of shows that that's vegetarians. how we evolved, right? Go ahead. Yeah, there are vegetarians because uh, they do consume animal products. They just don't consume flesh. Uh, depending on definition, too, right? The vegetarian, their definitions, I mean, they got different. I am not aware sex. of anybody you could, any indigenous culture that has not been altered by us, like by modern man, that was ever in anybody's definition of the word vegetarian. And if you can tell me one, I'll look them up. But I don't believe that ever existed ever in the history of humanity ever. They're around, but they're modern because we can't go back too far. We don't, you know, just heck, 250 years ago, we name didn't one. even know what North name America one. looked like. They're around. Name one. Uh, um, oh gosh, yeah, okay. I have to look it up. There but isn't vegan, one. Ve- vegan, yes, 100%. No, but there no. There's, there might be religious sects that live traditionally. There is no indigenous culture that you get with me after the episode and give me a link. And I promise you, you can look until the cows come home. Because I've tried. It doesn't exist. If you, you might find some obscure religious sect somewhere in Pakistan or something, yeah. but you're not going to find an indigenous culture. None. Well, it, it can't the, be done. The, the, ones, the ones that I, I've, I've read about that they have found is the animal is sacred. So they will eat animal as uh, far as what the animal gives, milk, the dairy, eggs, but they will not consume the animal. Uh, uh, well, that's, that's an animal. Like that's an animal. That's that's an animal. That's not well, animals, right? So there's lots well, no, of religions like like Hindus will not eat a cow. They'll tear the shit up out of a chicken, though, yep. won't they? Um, Buddhists eat nothing but, you know, Buddhists won't eat. But that's not Buddhism's not an indigenous culture. It's a religion. Uh, I I know they have found a couple, um, okay. but again, it depends on definition, right? I'm with you. Yeah. I would guess that if they were around them long enough, they would see them eat an animal. <laughs> you know, at some point they're going to eat an animal because that's where the calories come from. Yeah, you cannot. And most most plants on this planet are toxic to humans. They don't want to be eaten. That's not what they're for. Animals, other animals, have adapted their digestive tracts and systems and enzymes to break down a ruminant animal. The reason we can live off of fat and protein alone without carbohydrates is very simple. Those animals are consuming those plants and breaking them down into something that gets stored into their fat. Well, you don't have to eat a plant that way. The plant's in the thing you're eating. Sure. It's already there. Sure. And that's – and yeah, it's – that's what I mean. I understand vegans for the – the philosophical side of it, you know, they don't like to harm animals. And I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But I always tell them you need to understand nature. You need to understand because I've met numerous, I'm sure you have on the, you know, the permaculture side and everything. I've met vegans who go out and they want to live off the land. So the first thing they do is they go plant a bunch of soy, corn, a bunch of, you know, beans, legumes, and it works for a little bit. And then their crops start to get unhealthy. Then it starts dying because they're not using any outside fertilizers. They don't want to use anything. They don't have this crazy thing called animals. Well, that's how you regenerate the soil. <laughs> you know, 
And once I had a real deep conversation with one, they go, we actually converted from vegans to eating animals and having animals because we realized we couldn't sustain not only ourselves, but the farm. They go, we couldn't just grow crops. We couldn't just be crop growers. It wasn't working. And so understanding that circle of life, how things work, that we consume the animals and these products and we return it to the soil. The soil is then regenerates crops and the animals eat that. Then we eat the animals. You know, it's just a typical, you know, food pyramid, you know, of, of, of species and, and organisms. That's all it is. Let's come off the, let's come off of that because we'll do the whole show on nothing but this then, right? So I know. Let's, let's come back to your stool instead of pyramids. Let's, let's come back to the stool and go to leg two. All right. Financial freedom. The average American today, uh, we are in a consumer-based economy. We spend most of our money buying shiny objects that we do not need. It is built that way on purpose. We, in order for our economy to work, we have to continue to buy and buy and buy. There's only two ways our economy could work without that, and it does. That's why we keep growing the population because we need more consumers to continue this growth. In a actual fundamental, uh, healthy financial system, you don't have continued growth because it's impossible. You can't continually growing financially endlessly forever, right, as an economy. It's just impossible. It doesn't work. The math doesn't work unless you have a consumer nation of where you buy a lot of things you don't need. Well, that gets us into debt, right? The first drug of debt is credit cards. We're introduced to those as teenagers today. And everything I tell people today, every time you take a loan, every time you have a credit card, your home, your car, all that interest is front-loaded. It's not simple interest. It's compound interest. So that means just by the mathematics of it, you're going to pay the majority of that interest up front. So the banks and in, in, in financial industry and credit card, they're all getting their money first. Then you pay off the principal last. That's how it works. Well, that is structured, uh, you know, lifetime, lifetime debt is what we're seeing today. You throw in student loans. I did the math. I did I, uh, one of my simple life books is called The Guide to Financial Freedom. It's the only book done this way that I've seen. If I'm wrong, let me know. I thought it was my original idea. The whole book is done on basic math. So I take people from beginning to end of their life. And I walk them through the stages how our pockets are picked by big business, government, and the financial industry all through your life if you follow what you're told, the American dream. The American dream is to get you in debt because once you're in debt, it's very, very hard to get out of it. Well, once you're in it, you're a lifetime consumer. You're a lifetime payer. You keep all the wheels spinning. You make the rich richer. I hate to be that way, but it's the truth. We are... As a society today, all we're doing is creating a bigger disparity between the rich and poor. That's all we're doing with our consumerism. So by taking that back and becoming financially free by being debt-free, first of all, the stress level is night and day. I can tell you I've been debt-free. I, I go into debt here and there, but I use it strategically. Um, but I pay it off really quick, too. Uh, that I sleep far better at night than I did you know, 15 years ago. I've been debt-free for a decade. Uh, I own my house. I own my house outright. I own my truck outright. I own my RV outright. I own multiple properties outright. 
I don't pay anything. I don't pay loans. Uh, I only use it, like I said, when I can leverage it and get in and out of it. Taking that stress out of your life is huge, and it goes back to your health because the more stress you have, the unhealthier you'll be. The less you sleep, the unhealthier you'll be. So by getting that, again, you're taking the power back to yourself and not only that, but your income level. And I use this example all the time of the typical American today. You know, we have jobs. Not Entrepreneurship's not for everyone, but I do preach it. If you want ultimate freedom, you need to run your own business because that allows you to run your own life. But most people have to have a job. That's the way it works. Let's say you're making $55,000 a year. You've been out of college a couple of years. You got $100,000 in student debt. You got a car payment. You know, you bought a house. You're actually upside down big time. But instead of what we were taught is you need to make more money. Just keep making more money. The problem is the more we make, statistically it's been proven, we spend more than we have. We just keep doing it. We just keep digging the hole deeper and deeper. So let's say your, 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 your income stays static. But you pay that debt off. Well, that's a pay raise. You didn't do anything else. You're not putting in more hours. Uh, you're, you're, you haven't moved up the income level, which I highly say you should. But what you've done is you've gotten rid of the debt load. So now you make way more money and it takes far less for you to survive. I can survive off close to the amount that I survived off in college as a 50-year-old man. That's just how it is. I don't worry about money like most people worry about because I can go out and get a part-time job and get by easily. So by reducing that, again, it takes the power back to you that you control your money now. Once you let loose and you get so far into debt, you no longer control your income. And most people I consult with and talk with, the first thing I tell them is we need to put down – you need to get out Everything you spend money on. I need to know all your bills. Most people I talk to have no, they have a decent idea what they earn. They have zero clue how much they spend. Zero. They have no idea how much they're spending every month. That's what you have to do. You have to take control back of your money, and it's by being debt free. Pretty basic. And shouldn't. It'd be the case that most people are in the position you're in if you really think about it. In other words, you can get by on the money you could get by on when you were in college. Well, shouldn't mm-hmm. shouldn't a person well-established in their life be able to get by on less money than a person just trying to begin their life? I mean, doesn't that actually make complete logical sense? Yeah. Like, like you know, don't we generally, don't you remember looking at your dad or your grandpa and think, man, I can't wait till I'm where they're at? And today, I think kids probably look at people and think, damn, I, I don't want to be where they're at. Like kids looking at their parents today, I think, are one of your better audiences because they see the folly of living on credit cards. Because in 1950, there were very few people that had a credit card. Didn't even know what it was, right? And, and by the 60s and yeah. 70s, when they were starting to become available, most people in our grandparents' generation and even many in our parents' generation were like, don't do it. And now – the view is that you're nothing unless you have one. Well, you, in order to build your credit score, you have to be in debt. <laughs> well, that's ass nine. Yeah. My credit score when I went and got became debt free again went down. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. The whole system is ridiculous. Um, and and you're right. And, and you should. And but what do, what do they tell you in retirement that you need to at least be bringing in seventy five percent 
of what you brought in retired as you did working. And I'm like, what? Because the problem is we never stop spending. There's a couple really jarring statistics to me. I, I broke it out with basic math in that book, and I didn't get into everything. I yeah. just did the basics. I didn't go into boats, vacations, and all, you know motorcycles, and all kinds of crap that we waste money on. I did the very basics that the average American will blow during their life, and I did it by man, male and female. Both were pretty close, but females spend more because they have all the, you know, the cosmetics and all that stuff. The personal care products are a big gap, but get the interesting part is men are starting to spend more money on that. I think over their lifetime, it's like 175000 if I remember right. Guys, what are you doing? My, my lord, I don't even, I spend less than probably a hundred bucks or two on hair products a year on myself. I just, I was dumbfounded. Between all that, but it was over a million dollars for each. For each person that you will waste, you will get nothing out of over your lifetime. The average American will blow seven figures and get nothing out of it. Zero. Interest, dumb stuff they buy. And in America, like I said, we don't have an earning problem in this country. We have a spending problem. For you to be considered the richest 1% in the world, that is working 40 hours a week, $15 an hour. Will put you in the richest one percent in the world. Our poorest are considered some of the richest people on the face of the planet. We spend too much, and you have to figure it out. And it, and doing that, and then another statistic I just saw recently, and we know why why all this free money's coming out. Here's why. They know that the bottom. Uh, bottom percent of earners in this country will spend it. Yeah. That's why they're giving it. Sure. They're giving it to juice the economy because they give it to me and you. I save it. Yeah, they sent us some money. <laughs> I, I mean, we got, we got our stimulus. It went straight into savings. Like, straight it, into it, savings. it didn't even, like, it was like, oh, look, there it is. Transfer to savings. Like, do we want to keep 50 bucks of it? No. Just transfer to savings. Like, I yeah. wish you would have put it in my... I guess because I pay my taxes out of my checking, it went into checking. If it had gone into my savings, that would have just went, oh, look at that. And, yeah, and and you get people that are like, it must be nice. And it's then, then my response to that is always then like, well, then why don't you work on doing that for yourself if you think it would be nice, right? I mean, doesn't well, it, you know, make sense? Well, in the visual, I always use the eyeball test is how I do everything. I like to go out and roam around and watch what people are doing. And the statistics show this, that the bottom 30% have cut their spending 1% during COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's a rounding error. So yeah. that means the people who have the least, air quotes, you know, they would be filthy rich in most parts of the world. They're cutting their spending zero, nothing. And the problem is that's not factoring in the fact that they're getting more than they made on unemployment and benefits now. Many of them are. So they're not cutting. They're not even even. They're spending more money than they did before if they did the statistics correctly. All you have to do is ask Bezos. He'll tell you they're spending money. Right? Oh, yeah. I, well, right. Jeff Bezos will tell you what the spending pattern of the average American is on, on, on COVID. They're, they're sitting at home. They're stuck. They're bored. They buy shit. I mean, that's, yep. that's what they do. I'm not even thing I'm not even pointing out the mistake. I'm just saying you could decide for yourself, but it is, right? That's what's happened. It's people are spending more money. Um 
than they ever have as a percentage of their income in the middle of what is probably the prelude to the biggest recession or possibly even the, the first modern depression in America. Yep. It's coming. And, it's, and what, what I've seen, too, is the eyeball test is that people – well, Walmart, when the COVID-19 – when it first started and the stimulus checks were okay and coming, what they did is they stocked up on one primary thing, flat screen TVs. <laughs> they knew – that, that people were going to come in and buy big 50, 60, 70 inch TVs with their money. That's well, what they, they and, knew it. They and the ones they the didn't, the ones they didn't sell got looted and they got insurance money for them. So <laughs> it yeah, worked it out perfect. either way, right? Yeah, it worked perfectly for them. And then what I've seen here, I don't know. Uh, I'm just watching it here. Obviously I'm in the stick. So people drive trucks. We almost yeah. everyone owns a truck. Well, I've seen more. Brand new fifty thousand, and most are seventy thousand dollar plus trucks with dealer plates than I've ever seen than I've since I've lived up here. I'm not ever. totally against that though. I mean, I bought a sports car that I've wanted. Now I paid pretty much cash for mine, but um, the right now I think it's a mistake because the they dumped inventory and now they feel pretty good about themselves and they're not negotiating. Two and a half months ago, you were able to buy that, – that's why I believe in your method, right, because it's what I've done my whole life anyway. When you have cash and something like that happens, you have a buying opportunity. But I just bet most of those people you're seeing didn't do it the way I did it or you would have done it, right? No. But there were hell of buys. Back in, in April, uh, it – I mean, Dodge gave away challengers, like 10000 under dealer cost. And we had to know is don't tell them you're paying cash when you made the deal. Because if the ones they hear you're paying yeah. cash, they don't want to make the deal anymore. <laughs> yeah, because they want to make it on both ends. They want to make yeah. it on the financing because yeah. most of them own their own financing now. But what I've noticed, again, eyeball test, I was seeing who was climbing out of these vehicles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was saying these people are not leveraging money, more yeah. than likely, and I hate to be judgmental. But I, I know poor white trash when I see it. I grew up that way. That's my family. I know it when I see it. And I know when someone's spending money they don't have. I, I guarantee six months to a year from now, most of these people, they got zero interest, zero down. Their income is, you know, an extra $2,400 in unemployment benefits. I guarantee these people don't plan to pay for that truck for very long. It's a brand new truck. They got it for basically free. They're going to get it. Now, I'm waiting. Uh, I, I bought my truck, and you know it was a $70,000-plus truck. I hit it at the right time. I paid a little over fifty grand for it. That's the only reason I bought it, and I could afford it. it that's why I bought it. I'm waiting again. I, don't need, I do not need a new truck, but I'm waiting because I can upgrade and probably get a really nice truck for cheap if I just sit and wait and wait it out. And that's, again, uh, is using our head, but that's, again, what people are taught. And I, people, there's a bottom to everything. And people get all insulted that, oh, Gary, do you forget where you came from? You were poor. Now you're rallying and making fun of poor people. No, there's a bottom third. There's a bottom half. Anywhere you go. Statistically, we could all be millionaires. There's going to be a bottom third of millionaires. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> Not everyone can be at the top. And understanding that attitude of dig your hole deeper I don't feel sorry for you. If you can't figure this shit out, 
You know, I write the books. I do it to help people. And I get frustrated at times, and people know it. But at a point, we got to pull our heads out of our ass and go, it's my fault. And that's a big part of it. And I, I was that way. You know, at the end of my government career, I thought I was a victim. And it dug me a pretty deep hole in life. Because all I did was look at everyone differently and myself as a victim. Once I got out of that mindset, everything changed. And I said, you know what? No matter how bad your life is, someone out there's got it worse. You know? So stop, stop crying poor me. And get out there and make it happen. And by that, and once you get financially free and debt free, I tell people the world opens up completely differently. <laughs> you get your health. The three-legged stool, I have people who have completed it. It's very simple, right? One of the things I've got from some smart asses is, uh, you know, they think they're brilliant and they come up to me and go, wow, you thought of that all on your own? And I go, yeah, yeah, I came up with it. It's what I teach. I, I built this off of what was the easiest for people to follow and made the most sense. And I go, so how many of those do you got dialed in and how many are you doing? And they instantly, as I'm looking at their 40 inch waist and, uh, and they look straight at the ground and I go, exactly. I go, simple doesn't mean easy. This whole concept sounds very simple, and it is, but it's hard to do because it takes discipline. And it takes not doing it overnight, getting a magic pill, you know, taking that magic, you know, how to get rich in three weeks course or 24 hours. It takes effort, and it takes years and years, as you know, we both know. It took us years, decades to get here. It didn't happen overnight. And that's part of it. You have to understand that it's hard work. But yeah. once you get there, you'll never look back. So let's, never. Go, let's go to the third leg of the stool. Mm -hmm. Life purpose. Okay. This is a tough one. Um, you know, most people today, and these are the things, see, I, I didn't just pick these out of the air. These are the three things that most Americans, I'd say worldwide, are struggling with. These are the big elephants in the room that... Everyone is just kind of glazing over, but they're, they're the most in, in life purpose. I always say, what would you do if you did, if you could do it and not get paid? And everyone goes, Oh God, I never thought of it that way. I go, would you be an artist? What would you do? And, and they, they always go, well, I, you know, I really enjoy, you know, such and such. I go, can you make money doing that? They go, Hmm, maybe. And I go, well, let's think about it. Uh, I have, and this is a business that I pitch to multiple. There's two main businesses I pitch to people who say they don't have any resources to start. Pet industry. Everyone is getting a pet. I've owned pets all my life. I'm getting a puppy, new puppy on Sunday. I've always had dogs for the most part, all my life. I know people who are making deep six figures walking and boarding pets. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, big money. And they work part-time. Being a painter. <laughs> and, 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 and the per people who I know who do the pet, they love animals. It is, they love what they do. Now, painting's a little trickier because you're going to be painting houses, but you can also, if you're an artist, you can paint murals, you can do customized painting. I go, both those have almost zero cost of entry. But if you do them well, and you show up on time, you do what you're supposed to do, you always have a business. Always. 
and you'll make good money. Well, that's finding your life purpose. What would you do? And for me, I give the example of me. We know Jack. You've, we've been friends a long time. Did we see me being where I'm at today? I didn't. It found me. I, if someone was said, Gary, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be a self-help guy and motivational. I hate self-help. God, I hate that term. But life simplification guy teaching people how to do the things that you've learned over your life. I would have said, no, no, I think you're nuts. But this is what he evolved to. This is my life purpose. Well, you know why that happened is because you stopped trying to do something for the purpose of having a business. And you started just doing what you wanted to do. And then you integrated that lifestyle into your business. And that that is one of those things when you explain it to somebody, it's like a great writer being asked, what should I do as 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 a fledgling writer, right? That great writer will always say, write what you know. And you'll always feel like that great writer is holding back from you. And in some ways they are, in some ways they aren't. What they're holding back is all of the things that will come from that process. But they, they, the reason they're holding it back is having done it now, they know they can't. They can't give it to you. That there is no way that they... And anything they do to try to explain it will screw it up. All they can do is say, here's your starting point, and hope that you meant it when you asked for their advice so that you will start on that path. And then exactly how you're going to make it work, they don't know. You don't know. You didn't know. I remember when your website was you holding a bicycle over your head with your with your pecs showing, right? And your abs showing. Yeah. Right? I remember that guy. Yeah. And I remember one day, I remember you said to me, I should have never went into this line of work. And that was that was the day I saw I saw everything start to change. Like that was an off I, that was an off podcast comment like as an aside to me and I, I I watched instantly you admitted you didn't like what you were doing and it makes me think of you know another guy that's been real way more successful than both of us Gary Vaynerchuk right and he when yeah. he talked about selling yeah. wine he said I got one percent unhappy with selling wine and I decided to do something else and I just wonder how many people if they would they would do that because I guess we all have bad days I'm sure you still have bad I have yesterday I. I was like at the end of my rope by the end of the day because of technical problems that went on and stuff like that. But I'm not unhappy with what I do. I'm 100% happy with what I do. And I think if people would try to be happy with what they do and made that their goal, they'd find their life purpose. And I think all of these things, like, so money's not complicated. You know, go back to leg two. Money's easy. If you actually focus on money and how money works and become good at saving and investing and not spending the wrong money, then you have money. Like that, there's no, there's nothing about that that's hard, right? There's nothing about that that's surprising. Like I had an uncle, my dad used to tell me to listen to about money. His name was Stefan. And he said, this is why you better listen to this man about money. He's been divorced three times in a state with alimony. He's a blue collar type guy. He was an engineer, but he was a blue collar guy. He's a multimillionaire in his 60s with three wives he's paying alimony to. If that man tells you about money and you don't listen to him, you're an idiot. You might Right, and yeah, he said if he, if, he, if you want to know how to find a, a woman, you, you ask him how to do that too. You want to know how to keep a woman? Do not listen to a word the man says. Clearly, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, and it's it, so like all of these things. I just had this conversation with my you know my nine year old grandson this yesterday outdoors with our little morning walk about is something predictable or unpredictable, and then are the results positive or negative? 
And when a nine-year-old kid can, you know, in, in a five-minute conversation with, with a 50-year-old man can figure that out, the fact that most people in their life live counter to that in all these walks of life you're talking about today is proof of one thing that nobody wants to accept. The system is designed to create that result. The system is designed to prevent people from living the way that you are suggesting and I suggest that they live because the system is a parasite and it requires irresponsible, irrational behavior that doesn't make any sense by the vast majority of people for it to stay the way that it is. And you either can be, you can either be the dog the tick is on Or you can pick off the tick and go live your life somewhere else. Because this, the, the system is a bunch of ticks sucking the lifeblood. The money is one thing. Yep. But the money's just what? It's a symbol for our labor. It's a symbol for our energy. So the system yeah. literally is sucking your life. I, it's worse than a tick. It's a freaking vampire. Because it keeps feeding on you after you die. Right? I mean, like, that's how bad it is. And we just willingly, And I don't mean we as in you and I and everybody on the audience here. I just mean we as a people in general willingly have accepted this as the way of things. As though it was always this way. And it wasn't. Like a lot of shit, we talk, yep. when you talk about health and nutrition, Gary, a lot of the stuff that's wrong has been going on for like a couple hundred years, right? When yep. you talk yep. about money, the, the real, like the, the, we can go back to 1913 and all that, but when it comes to the behavior that we witness today, That is reckless and irresponsible. That behavior really began in the late 70s and early 80s. It's not that long ago that yep. the behavior of yep. today was seen as insane. Did, I mean, what did you, what would your yep. grandmother have done with a pre-approved credit card uh, statement? Now, grandma, you're approved. What, should, what, what do you think she would have done with it? Did I lose you? Yeah, yeah. I lost you real quick. Uh, yeah. What, yeah. I, what I was asking is, you remember, I'm sure you remember your grandparents. So imagine your grandma, mm -hmm. either one on either side. If she went out to her mailbox, she opened it up, and MasterCard had a thing in there that said, you're pre-approved for, for $10,000 credit card. What would she have done with that application? I, I, I don't even remember my grandparents ever using a credit card for yeah. anything. She would have either thrown it away. My grandpa. She would have thrown it away. Or like my grandma, we had a, a, a coal stove. It was like coal oven, and then it was a gas mm -hmm. range top. So like stuff like that, she had a basket, and she would use it to start the fire. So it would have went in a kindling pile or it would have went in the, in the compost or the garbage, right? Like, it would have never even occurred to her to fill that out. She would have thought, I don't know who these people are, but if they want to give me $10,000 worth of credit, they're, 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 they're not a company you should be doing business. They're not very smart. I don't have money. That's how she would have responded to it. And today we get one where we're like, yay! Like, that well, behavior is new. Our grandparents, our grandparents lived through the Great Depression, too. So they had, you know, firsthand knowledge of a system going completely bonkers. But my grandmother said to me, she, we had great talks, uh, my grandfather and grandmother later in life. And she told me, yeah, we were poor during the Great Depression, but we didn't know because we were all farmers. My, my, my family comes from Nebraska and they were farmers. She goes, we just did exactly what we did before. We had food, we had shelter, money was tight, but we didn't starve to death or anything. We just pinched pennies a little harder. And I think that's, That attitude is lost, and part of it also is I talk about this of widget in, widget out, right? We're just considered widgets today. We're widgets plugged into a system we did not create. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're gone. Lost you there. You're good. Um, that, that uh, you know, we go, we go to 
the widget in widget out. We 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 we're a widget that goes to work to to make widgets, to earn widgets, to spend widgets, to get widgets. It's this widget circle, <laughs> you know. We didn't create any of this. We were just dumped into it, and I've just you know like you, I've just said enough's enough. I'm not following this. Long as I'm not hurting anyone, you know, who cares? You know, I'm going to live the life I want to live and I want to do it the right way. And you're right. I, I was brainwashed and in, into of, of creating a business and just doing something, even if you didn't like it, right? Yeah. You just needed to. You thought to make I'm in money. shape. I look good. I did this. I know it'll work for other people. So I'll do that for a business. And I, don't, I think you were actually better off than most, right? Because at least yeah. it was you, right? But what it was, it wasn't mm – -hmm. and this is a good lesson for everybody out there trying to figure out how to – if you want to build – and okay, I want to be clear before I go forward with this with Gary. If you want to go into a business that is a solid business model, that is as basic as being a franchisee for Domino's Pizza, I have a friend I went to high school with. He is a multimillionaire as a franchise owner of Domino's Pizzas. I am not saying it doesn't work, and he's a very happy man because he built it up, he sold it off, and he doesn't do shit no more. Right? So I'm not saying yeah. you can't go there. But if you want a lifestyle business that is, a, that is really based on you, it has to be based on all of you. Or it will constantly tear you apart because you'll be giving yourself over to a piece of it instead of being all of it, and, and that's what was going on with Gary. This is the, the the whole system that he was marketing at that time has gone nowhere. It's still there, but it's just now a, an incorporated component in a total lifestyle. And so you have to decide, do you want a lifestyle business or do you want a business business? And the, the big thing to look at there is you better love what you're doing when you do it the way Gary or I do it because you're going to do it forever. And when you quit, yep. you're not going to have a lot, a lot of money coming in for very long because the business is all you. The reason you go into the other kind of business, if that's what you want to do, is because that's a business that you can sell to somebody who has money or financing and take the money and go away. Right, like we're we're not gonna do that. But do you, Gary? Do you want to, or do you want to pretty much do what yeah. you're doing now till you die? Because you love what you do. It's a mind shift because I was always taught we're we're always taught chase the carrot. You know, you run and chase the carrot and hope that you can retire in your 60s if you're lucky, very lucky in your 50s, and you're not pooping in your diaper eating baby food for too long before yeah. you die. That's yeah. what we're basically taught. And once I realized that, no, 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 no. I have a lot of life left. I need to fill that with something productive. I'm a type A. My mind's very busy. You're the same way. And I realize that a lot of people also, the, the statistics bear this out as well, a lot of people have regrets on their deathbed that they didn't do the things they wanted to do. And I kind of went, I'm not going to be that person. And if I do what I enjoy, I can do it till my very last breath. Because I've tried relaxing and just going, you know what? I can just take take a week off. I last about 12 hours if I'm lucky because I need to do something. And even my projects around my property, I, I don't even watch. I don't like I'm not a big YouTube guy anyway, but I won't even watch how to do things. I go, you know, I, I got a, I got enough knowledge. I've done enough of this because I learn from my mistakes and I just I'm doing my wind turbine and I'm building my stanchion from scratch from all parts. I just went out. Got plumbing, you know, industrial plumbing parts, and I'm building the pipe and everything. Crazy. I used 
ancient Egyptian techniques to get the second post up. I did all kind. Of, I didn't even watch a video on it. I said, if I screw this up, fine, I'll figure it out. But I like challenging myself, and that's how humans are are wired too. Is we have to be continually challenged. And what we're teaching in society today is not to be challenged, just to chase the carrot. And we're not learning from the people we need to learn from, which in sense of elders, we've lost our, our connection oh, yeah. to elders. And, and those are the people who kept us alive. You know, those are the people we learned from. And, you know, now it's called, you know, paying it forward. But it's about learning from the people who have the knowledge and, and wisdom, you know, the action, the people who've done it. That's how, who I learned from. You know, I, I have a group of core people around me that I've learned from over my life. And they're the people I look to to get advice or when I'm, you know, doing it. But also part of it is figuring it out on my own. And, and then I can teach what I've learned. And that's that's how the system should really work. And uh, I've had some epic failures, some really good ones. And I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot. I'm always learning, you know. It, and business is never perfect. It's never going to work out the exact way you want it to. There's going to be times, and you have to pivot, right, Jack? That's what I've learned the most about following what I want to do, too, is you have to be willing to adapt and change. And I did. You know, I booted my business around in 30 days. New website, new domain, changed everything. Name, did it all in 30 days. I just drew my line in the sand, and you're right. What I'd, I'd found is I went from the FDA of traditional food, drug, and, and health care and said, okay, this is a mess. This is this is a shit pot. And I went, well, I'm going to go into natural health. Well, I realized natural health was just as shitty. It just was a different flavor. And that's what kind of threw me and me and you talked about that. I just went, there's bad people in everything. And I thought by making that transition, everyone was going to be out to better and help people, not saying all of them aren't. It's just life. There, there's bad people in everything. And that's what I had to learn is, okay, but if I control it and I own it and I own my space, well, that's different because I created my own – I know brand. Everyone throws that around. But my own model, right? So the simple life is my model. I, yeah, there's pieces I took from other things and all the things I've learned. And I'm in health, but I'm in health on my own terms. I'm not in an industry all the way. You know what I mean? I dabble in the industry, but I teach what I want to teach. I hang out with the people I want to hang out to. You want to go nuts? Go to a natural health convention or symposium, and you will lose your mind. You will slowly lose your mind, like the Natural uh, Health Expo in Anaheim. I've gone to quite a few of those over the years. There, at every break, is well over 100 people outside, overweight, smoking. Mm-hmm. And these Absolutely. are the owners and the main reps for these companies. You will just – you will go bonkers if you spend too much time in that world, I think. Well, especially the reps, but, right? Like because I, I manage independent sales reps and manufacturer rep firms and things yeah. like that. Like they don't give a shit about – what that, that guy, you know, 10 years ago, he was selling computer test equipment. Five years ago, he was selling toys for Mattel, and now he's selling, you know, some sort of – and he's, he's probably good at his job. I'm not saying he's not good at it because what is his job? To sell the product. doesn't mean he knows anything about health. He knows the product and how to sell it to you. And it might be – I'm not saying all those products are shit either. I'm just saying – 
the people no, selling no. them do not do not in general live the lifestyle that's necessary for them to be beneficial because you can you can take all the supplements you want to in the world if you're eating ding dongs and ho hos every day you're going to still have health problems let alone Absolutely. smoking and let alone smoke yeah, I mean, smoking well, Jesus yeah. Christ yeah the hypocrisy in a lot of it it just it was something that I felt was toxic for me to be in because I'm all, if I'm going to be in this, I want to be surrounded by people who are actually doing this. And what I was in was widged in, widged out. It was a lot of people just trying to sell you something. And there's nothing worse. We've both done it. If you have to sell something you don't believe in, it is soul sucking. No. Soul sucking. You, you can't and do it. I'd, and my attitude with what I do today, too, is I'm very open. I go, hey, I'm not for everyone. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be. I, I I don't want to be that's, – that's just unrealistic. But everyone knows if you don't like something or a product of mine and you get all pissed off, I'll refund you in a heartbeat and I won't even blink an eye. Oh, why would I, you? I, I'm not – yeah, I'm not here to rip you off. I'm not here trying to sell you something. I, I'm, trying to sell, I'm trying to provide you with a product that you need and hopefully somewhat want. But that's the problem too is we're just buying products we want without ever thinking whether we need it or not. And I always tell people, do this whenever you're going to buy something, and you'll probably cut out at least, at bare minimum, half the things you buy. First question you ask yourself is, do I need it? First question, do I need this? Second question, can I afford it? Third question, can I live without it? You answer those three questions, and I'll guarantee you'll stop buying half the shit you're buying right now. Guaranteed, because I know because I've done it. <laughs> hey, man, I've bought a lot of shiny objects in my life. I'm not <laughs> – I've been there too. But now that I live the life the way I do, you know, I buy things that are important. You know, my chainsaws, those are important to me. I need those. I have to have those. But it doesn't mean I have ten of them. You know, I have three, and each one serves a purpose. You know, each one does a different task. You know, my guns – I don't collect guns. My guns all fit a certain thing that I do. Heck, my my carry gun is rusty and all the you know bluings worn off it. It's beat up because it's a tool. You know, I don't shine and polish the thing every night. It's a tool, you know. And that's how I look at things now. I look at things as practicality. I don't own a suit. Any? Do you own a suit and tie anymore, Jack? Uh, I think I do. I'm pretty sure that it would be. I think it actually might be a fun viral photograph. I think it would be interesting <laughs> for me to put the suit that I used to wear, the one that I have, like, it's like a $1,000 designer suit that was custom tailored for Fat Jack. And I think it'd be kind of funny for me to put it on. I, I, I forgot all about it. I know this. I, I hope I don't need to wear it anytime soon. <laughs> because wait, wait, it, wait, I have to ask. Is it baby blue and double-breasted? No. <laughs> no, it's um, it's it's like a gray. It's an Italian gray tweed. It's it, you know, it's a mess. I, I used to have several of them. It's what you would call a power suit. Um, but I have that one. I think I have a black one. But they are, they are in plastic from um, uh, dry cleaners. And I have to say that I think they were in that plastic when I moved to Arkansas, and they're in the same plastic that they were here when I moved here, and that was seven years ago. But it might be kind of fun, actually, like for Instagram, like put that suit on because <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna wear like a smock, like it's gonna yeah. just hang, you know? It, it 
I forgot. That's a good question. I, I for, but yeah, the only reason I know that it's there is I've thought about getting rid of it, and I'm like, maybe I should have it taken in. I don't know. Somebody might die. I might have to go to court. Like, but that's the only way I could see ever wearing one. Well, and the reason I bring that up, and I, I want to see if you agree with me, it was a pivotal uh, point in my business where I've, I've, I haven't owned a suit or ties for years now, and I got rid of them at a point where I said, this is who I am. My business is me. And I warn people. I go, I'm going to show up dressing just like I dress up at my property, out and about. I go, those are my clothes. I don't play dress up for anyone. You know, I have long hair. I have a beard. I'm. That's the way it is. If you don't like it, you, we don't have to do business together. But I'm not going to change and conform because that means – I'm trying to sell you something, and you know what I mean. Um, it, to me, it was kind of a mindset shift of me of, and I, you, not everyone can do this, but for my business, I'm all. Why do I got to play dress up? There's no point in it. I don't even own slacks. I'm like, I don't need to wear them. I don't go to anything. And people go, What happens if you go to a wedding? Well, first of all, I don't go to weddings anymore, um, and and I'm old. I don't need to go to them. Or if you have to pl- go dress, I go. I just don't go to those events. They just don't have anything to do with my life today. And if I go to those events, I'll ask and go, hey, is a tie required? And they go, yeah. I go, eh, either you make an exception go. or I'm, I'm not going. No, I completely agree. Here's a, This is a true story. This is years old. Um, this is back eight years maybe or more. Uh, I was uh, slated to go speak at the Free State uh, Project's Liberty Forum in uh, the winter in New Hampshire. That's their indoor one in the hotel and all. And something happened, and they lost one of their keynotes like a week before it was going to happen. And they're like, would you step in and do the keynote? And that event is something where you'll have a, a congressman in a suit and you'll have a guy sitting next to him with you know the holes through his ears you can see through and nobody blinks. It's not a big deal. Uh, it's just that kind of a, a eclectic group. But the keynote is the night of this really big fancy schmancy dinner. And that guy with the ear holes, he's in the audience and no one minds. But I'd been to two of them before and the speakers are always in suits. And I told the guy, I'll do it. Yeah. But I'm going to be in a T-shirt and jeans because that's who I am. And not only did they say, okay, when I when I did that, I said that I had come there to talk to people about liberty and freedom in their own lives. And that there was no way in, in hell that I was going to stand in front of them doing something counter to who I am while pre- preaching freedom. And I got an immediate you know, erupt of applause and all because I think that's how people really – want it to be it may not be the way that it is and if you're starting out young and you just got your degree and you're trying to get a job put the suit on right if that's the track you're right but i think that everybody even the guy that thinks the suit's important really doesn't want it to be because my other thought with that is and i i just wish i could attribute this to the right person i just don't know where it came from it's in my head from somewhere and i've never been able to find it online anywhere other than when i've written it down um I've heard it said that men begin their day in the modern world by tying, oh, by placing a blade to their own throat and then tying a noose around their neck. I've heard that. And I'm like, holy sh... And I don't want to be claiming it's mine because I didn't come up with that shit, right? But I don't know who did. And it's one of the most brilliant descriptions of modern corporatism 
that's ever been put into a single line, right? We begin our days putting a blade to our own throat and then tie a noose around our necks. Yep. That's the corporate yep. world. That's well, the corporate and how world. Much, how much time and, and money do you waste over your lifetime on that? I consider time precious. I, I, tell, I did a whole episode on it about I got all pissed off because a couple people wasted my time. And I go, they're stealing from me. Because I can't get that time back. And when I'm willingly doing that, you know, that's, you know, that's the problem, right? When I'm willingly letting it happen and doing those things, yeah, I agree. I always say, you know, the greatest thing about a tie being in law enforcement, I go, it's just something to grab someone and choke them with it. <laughs> that's what, you know, yeah. literally, I mean, I go, if you're going to wear a tie, you just, and you get, you're going to get mouthy or do something, I'm going right for the tie. Yeah, that's what I'm going. That's what the clip-on's <laughs> for, man. You grab the tie, it comes off, and then you belt them, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a trick tie. Hey, um, let's talk a little bit about COVID-19. We we've kind of danced around sure. it a bit, and it's it's like it's so omnipresent in people's lives right now. There's there's no way that we wouldn't mm -hmm. mention it in some way. But let's let's talk about the the whole purpose of building the better life that I talk about here, and the simpler life that you talk about with your stuff. I had to remind myself multiple times during this as I talk to people about how to deal with it that not everybody is where I am in their walk in life. Because I don't yeah. know about you, I guess, though, you're going to say it very similar to the way I felt it. This has had almost no impact at all on my life. Like, my life is pretty much the same today as it was this time last year, except I'm a lot thinner. That's like the only difference. About, I'm healthier. But my my day-to-day -day life, I have my backyard. I have my, my systems to grow my food. I have my grandkids in my life. I have my friends. We get together. I was never a guy that went to the bar anyway, so we just go to people's houses and hang out. I, I wear a mask when I go to a grocery store when I have to go to a grocery store, which isn't frequent. Like, my life's the same. How is your life? I've talked about that pretty extensively. I'm glad you brought that up. Because some people take it the wrong way, and I always start with, hey, I'm not bragging. I'm not belittling you. No. I'm just telling you that I'm the proof of the pudding because my whole lifestyle was developed to deal with things like this, to have as little impact as they could. And I, I my life has changed very, very little. If anything, and on the business side – Instead of backing off like a lot of people are doing, and I was, I was starting to slow down and I had plans for 2000. Everything's kind of planned for the next couple of years. It's all through stages of how I'm doing things. And I actually sped it up. Once this hit full effect, I went, okay, I'm not taking this year off or part of it and slowing things down. I actually ramped it up and said, I'm going to speed my process up, A, because people need it right now and I need to get them the right products and try and get it out there. But also from a strategic end of my competitors are going to the wayside. This is a time for me to take market share and for me to, to get the word out even more is how I looked at it. And so if anything, it changed things for the positive. So how could something so negative make your life in some ways even better? Well, that's why I teach it, right? That's why we teach this is that if you, if you get that three-legged stool in place, Stuff like this, yeah, it's a little inconvenience here and there. But overall, no. Yeah, I sleep the same way. You know, I don't worry about getting, I mean, 
I don't worry about getting sick any more than I did before. And I tell people, you know, I always say, <laughs> it was kind of a smart-ass comment. I just said, hey, if it's my time, it's my time. If this is going to knock me out, well, guess what? There's something else that's going to knock me out too. And it's not that I'm going to live haphazardly and not take precautions. But you can't worry about this stuff all the time. You'll just drive yourself insane. You know, you be as healthy as you possibly can be. Take care of yourself. You take care of your family. You live the right life. The cards will fall where they're going to fall. You can only control so much. And that's how I look at it. I, yeah, I mean, my life is quiet. I, I I don't see people. My my property, you know, is empty. I'm getting ready to probably buy another 10 acres, so I have 60 acres. Uh, I'm looking to buy a big piece of land in the next couple of years somewhere else. I bought another piece of land last year in another part of the country. I just move on. And that's what I think if you're, if you're prepared for the things that come up. What, what's, what's that saying? You know, prepare, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. That's how I live my life. And we all do in our circles. I think we all have the same mindset. Just be prepared for it. And I'm glad I did because my life is pretty dang good. And I know yours is too, Jack. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Little Yeah, absolutely, man. And I really appreciate you being on with us today, Gary. You want to remind everybody, yeah. not that they really need a lot of reminding, but let's make sure we do it anyway, where they can learn more about the stuff that you're doing, your new podcast and all that stuff. Yeah, the podcast has been out less than a year, and it's doing really well. I've got some pretty exciting guests coming up. Um, that is your better life. Make it simple, stupid. Um, it's open format, so there's no rules. <laughs> really, uh, as long as it's educational and we can learn from it, we'll talk about it is my attitude. Uh, so it's not business centric. There's parts of it that are, but I didn't want to do a podcast that was just about business and my business. I find that dreadfully boring. The website is where I do everything. All my books are sold there. Everything is sold there. The simple life now.com. The simple life now.com. Don't go to the simple life. You end up on Nicole Ritchie and, and Paris Hilton's website, I believe. <laughs> and there's also a company called the Simple Life CBD Oil. Don't go there. I'm getting complaints from people who are buying stuff from them and then sending me emails. <laughs> I had to say it because I'm getting hit. It's a scam. I'm not the guy selling that stuff. That's not me, so don't go there. I don't know what's going on in the back end of that website, but something sketchy is going on. Um And I just sell everything on my website. Everything's there. Podcast, products, books. And I really would recommend, if you can, buy them from, buy my books from my website. I'm trying to create things to where I'm not so reliant on other institutions selling my books, if I can. Awesome, man. Well, again, I appreciate you being with us today. Thanks a lot, Jack. Well, great interview with Gary Collins is all these guys. Uh, the Simple Life is definitely the way to go. It's a big part of what we've been teaching on the podcast here for over 12 years now. Um, the Simple Life is just a way of saying learning the lessons of our grandparents. And that doesn't mean we don't have modern conveniences and modern stuff. I've seen the truck Gary drives. It's pretty damn nice. It's pretty damn new. But it's also bought with money instead of credit, and it, 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 it follows the edicts that my grandparents taught me. You know, to not, not outspend your, your income and to save a little bit for a rainy day. Remember, I started this show 12 years ago largely by telling the story of the grasshopper and the ant that I learned from my grandfather. 
And Gary's right. My grandfather and my grandmother on both sides lived through the Great Depression. They tried to teach us right from wrong. And it wasn't just morality. It was also for your own damn good, is the way my, my grandfather used to put it. I'm trying to teach you this for your own damn good. He was right. When you're a kid, you don't understand that. But hopefully, if somebody beats it into you as a kid, and I don't mean physically, I mean, you know, just beats it into you with repetition. As you age, you remember that wisdom and you come back to it. Sadly, we are into the third or fourth generation now of people who have separated themselves from that wisdom. Don't be among them. And no matter how far down that road you've traveled, it's not too late to go back and make a course correction. With that, um, I wanted something for today's show that really drove home what crisis was. Because we're being lulled into a belief that we are you know, the current World War II generation because, well, we stayed home and ate ice cream. I mean, honestly. So I have a book for you I haven't talked about in a while. It's called Ersatz in the Confederacy, Shortages and Substitutes on the Southern Home Front. And this is both kind of a, a practical book of knowing how to do things and a history lesson. This is about what went on during the Civil War in the United States in the South and how people made do. To say with less, I, I have a quote from the book in my review for you that will drive home exactly what this book is really all about. Here's the quote. During the World War II, men and women on the home front were encouraged to use it up, wear it out, make do, or do without. After reading this book, however, the men and women of the southern home front did that and more. From 1941 to 1945, butchers may have been asked for a free soup bone for the dog. But as the Civil War dragged on, it wasn't unusual for a Confederate butcher to hang a dressed rat in the window when one was available. When your butcher is advertising he has rat for sale. You have fallen on hard times. This book is a gut check, and this book is a reality check. And it's one of the best books I've ever had the pleasure to read. I actually read this book, I think, three times, and then I, I decided after that that was enough, and I passed it on to a, a visitor here at one of the workshops. And uh, I hope it just keeps getting passed around. But if you don't have someone to pass one to you, uh, this would be a good one to pick up and read. I, I think what you can learn from and the mindset that you can gain from this book is far worth more than the uh, the cover price. Again, it's called Ersatz and the Confederacy. You can find it at the Survival Podcast. It'll go out in the Daily Mail. Uh, so you can subscribe to the Daily Mail. More on that in a second. Uh, or you can just go to tspaz.com and scroll down and, and take a look at the most recent reviews, and you'll be able to find it. Uh, you can find it under the books category. Everything there is alphabetically categorized as well. And I'll just remind you that no matter what you buy, whether it's this book, anything else at TSPAS, or anything at all, as long as you start your online shopping at tspaz.com, you will help us out with the work that we do here. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up with our song of the day. We kind of had an interruption this week. So we, I don't know if I'll, I guess I'll maybe carry into Monday next week because we had five songs in the Major Tom series, right? These are all songs either by David Bowie or by others as kind of tributes to David Bowie to the, the character, uh, Major Tom. And of course we had the Space Oddity on Monday. This is kind of the, the first sequel in this whole saga of Major Tom. It's called Ashes to Ashes. And basically in this one, it, this, this song sounds nothing like Space Oddity. It doesn't sound, I mean, it sounds like the only way you know the two are the same thing is it's by the same guy and he mentions the guy by name in it. Otherwise, you'd be like, what the hell's going on? This ain't the same music. And it's, it's not. It's a different music, same character. And in this story, Major Tom, who was left lost in space and expected to be 
uh, dead makes contact with Earth. And ground control determines Major Tom is a junkie. He's all high on the heavens of space, and he's really not worth bringing back to Earth anymore. And most people believe, and, and Bowie pretty much confirmed this while he was still around, that the Major Tom character represented himself and his, his struggles with drugs. So basically, he was too high to come back down. But I think there's more to this song. This song, it's not my favorite song musically, but I really do appreciate the artistic components to the lyrics in it. Think of the name. Ashes to Ashes. When do we say that phrase? Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. When a person's dead, it's one of our cleansing rituals, accepting the fact that we're all mortal and he's gone. He was a good guy, now he's gone. In this case, ashes to ashes is being said about someone who's saying things that the establishment doesn't want to hear. And with that, I think this song kind of gets a new lease on life in the year 2020. With that's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Stop.